with Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 19 through 23, finishing up uh, chapter 1. Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So as we can see at the very end here, you know, Paul is continuing to bring forth doctrinal things for us to believe in. And when we look at verse 19, And he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So again, we see the apostle Paul, he says, the greatness of his power to us who believe. So he's counting, you know, all of those Christians in the, in the future that we're going to believe. And we're in some really good company when we can consider ourselves to be part of this, this group and with the, the Apostle Paul. And he's looking at his power. We know that God is, one of the things he is, he is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, isn't he? You know, we look through the ages and we can see the exceeding greatness of his power, don't we, Brother Roger? We see it in the book of Genesis where he brings out and where he forms the earth. He spoke this earth into existence out of absolutely nothing. If you look in any dictionary, to create something is to make something out of nothing. And God is the only one that has has done that because everybody else after that, when he created the earth and all the things that are therein, They're using the things that are on this earth to do things, to make a painting, make a building, or whatever. They're using products that are already in here. And I like when he kind of, he's asking us a question, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Remember Brother Leroy brought out the other day, in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 20, he says, now, in, now unto him that is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly. Remember, he says that super abundantly. Super abundantly. So if we do that here and say, what is the exceeding greatness? He does, he had super abundantly of his, the greatness of his power. That power. We look throughout it, we see the power of God. We can see the power of God today working in our lives, keeping us strong in the Lord. We can see it throughout the Old Testament. We can see as he, he had Noah build an ark. 
the exceeding greatness of his power with Job, with Daniel, with Joseph. We can see his power in working in all these things. The exceeding greatness of his power. But he goes on to usward who believe. So it's that if we go to Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things, that means God works and it works his power in everything in our lives for our good. I'm not saying that everything that happens to us, Gary, is good, but he can work even the bad things to our good. That's awesome, isn't it? When we can see how powerful God is. You know, and when people don't want to submit themselves to the power of God, we can see the bad things that are going on in this world. It's amazing when we see some of these political leaders and they try to use the name of God. And we know that by their actions, they really don't believe in God. Some of these people that sit there and say, well, I am uh, pro-choice, which means it's okay to kill unborn babies. We can see they do not believe in God at all, do they? I can furthermore say that the governors of these states that put these abortion laws in, like the one in Illinois, that you can you can abort a baby, which is basically to murder or kill a baby right up to the moment of birth. And you can do that legally. Legally. That's people do not believe in God and who He is. To usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. This is what I look at and think. I, I, I'm just, you know, it's the power of God. Do we realize that the power of God can actually keep us from sinning? Do we realize that? Do we understand that? His power can keep us from sinning. Remember how Brother Leroy taught us out of 1 John. We're not habitual sinners, are we? And we, we could kind of see that look at it, don't we, Susie? We don't get up in the morning and sit there and say, I'm Susie. Susie doesn't get up in the morning and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and I'm going to sin today. Not, I'm going to want to pick on you, Susie. But we, we don't do that. But we know that we're only human, aren't we? And that we are going to sin. But we don't continually do it day in and day out. Why? Because it's the power of God. It's the power of God that keeps us from doing that. Aren't you thankful that you have somebody like God on your side? Isn't it awesome to know that you have somebody like Jesus Christ on your side? And that just, that just helps us 
as we go through the world today, doesn't it? Knowing that who we have with us, walking with us, being with us. And we, it's the, the power of God that when Satan tries to cast that doubt, if you are a son of God, if you are a son of God, why are you going through so much trials and tribulations? Why are you going through some of these things? Some of the times, well, a lot of times, I can't answer that, Brother Roger. But the Bible tells us that, you know what, when we go through a lot of these things, it's helping to strengthen us, isn't it? It's helping us. When we go some of the, through some of these things, and God's power is helping us through that, that after we go through it, when we see somebody else going through that, that we can comfort them wherewith we have been comforted by that power of God. That power of God. Do we realize that it's that power of God that took out that, that old stony heart? It's the power of God. The power of God translated us from darkness into His marvelous light. That we no longer want to do the former things, but we want to do what? Those things that are pleasing his, in His sight all the time. All the time. According to the working of His mighty power. I like in, go to chapter 1 and verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. And in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Do we really look and understand? We, this is a verse that we can use. That He works, what does it say? Some of the things, not everything, when He feels like it. He works all things after the counsel of His own will. He's in control. Oh, excuse me. He's in control. You know, we said, uh, the, the best example I can find that he's in control with his power is the book of Job. And when Satan comes before God and God says, you know, what are you doing here? Well, I've been going to and fro the earth. And what is, what is, what does God say? Hast thou considered my servant Job? You know, there's only a, a, fun, a couple of places in the Bible. I think there's three places, maybe, brother, where he were, he were, yeah, he uses the word eschewed or eschewed, which means that he does, he turns away from sin. He doesn't even want it. Remember, re, remember when you read the book of Job, what does he do? He made an offering every day for his children if on chance they might have sinned foolishly in their heart. <clears throat> Satan says, does Job fear you for naught? Remove your hand from him and he'll curse you to his face. He said, you can do whatever you want to, to what he owns or he has, but you can't touch him. And he took everything away from Job. In all this, what? Job sinned not. That's what 
That's what the Bible says. Job sinned not. And then he came back again and says, afflict him and he'll turn his back. God told him, okay, his, his body and everything is in his hand, only what you can't kill him. We got to understand, only, Satan could only go as far as God said he could go. Who's in control? Who has all the power? God. God has the power. He had boils from head to his feet. Even his own wife sat there and said, what? Why don't you just curse God and die? Get it all over with and just do it. I believe that's when he said, Brother Roger, I hope I'm right. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It might have been the first time because he took everything away. But what I'm trying to just show you is God's in control. But look at, he goes on into verse 20 and he says, According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Do we realize how important that is for us? So he died. Jesus died, didn't he? There's no doubt that the Bible tells us he died. They laid him in that sepulcher. They put him in there, put the spices, wound him up and everything, and put him inside there. And that power of God, the exceeding greatness of his power, he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And remember when the women came to the sepulcher and they were kind of wanting to know, who's going to roll away this? Who's going to roll away this big rock that's in front of there? We can't do it. We don't have the strength to do it. When they got there, they saw that the stone was rolled away. And they went inside. They didn't find anything, did they? There was nothing there. Because that mighty power of God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The linen clothes were lying there, but his body was not there. God took him to be with him. Raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. What power that he had that he did that and that he rolled away that stone so that they could go in and see that he was not there. Remember some of the angels that are said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He's, he's risen. He's risen. Remember the two, the two apostles and they went to him and he asked, they asked, said, Jesus, what do you, what do you want? Well, we want that we can sit the one on your left hand and one on your right hand in the kingdom. So that's not mine to give. See, he died. And on the cross, he said what? It is finished, didn't he? He said it's finished. What he came to accomplish upon the earth was finished. He came to this earth 
because it had to be a sacrifice for sin that was without blemish. And the only one that could fulfill that, Gary, was Jesus Christ. Remember the Bible says he was tempted. In all points he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. He was that perfect sacrifice. He said it is finished. Remember in the book of Matthew. Remember we just read it just a little bit, a bit ago. He was he is going to save his people from their sins. And that's how we save his people from their sins. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. So he died upon that cross. Exactly what he did and he was supposed to do, he accomplished. That's why he said it is finished. But the work that he came to do upon earth was done, but he ascended to be with the Father where he sits upon the right hand making intercession for each and every one of us. Because we do know that we do sin. We've talked about that. We know we're going to do it. We just don't live to do those things. He's on the right hand of God. It happened 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. And he's still there, sitting on the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, well, Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we know that there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. So he's up there. In verse 21, you know, he's, he goes on. He's in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Paul is covering the full gamut of things here, isn't he? He says that it's not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He's far above all principality, and power, and might, and dominion. He's above all of that because he's with his Father. He's sitting upon his right hand. And every name that is named, every name, he's above all, isn't he? He's above all. And that's what we need to really kind of take and hold within ourselves that he's up there. He's above everything. And look at what he says, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He's there for us all the time. This, I just, I just like it, you know, when we look at these things. And, you know, let, let, let's, let's look at Romans 8.38. You know, when we look at this, it's, this is really pretty good. I know, Brother Roger, you know all about this here in Romans 8. We look at it and we, we st- let's, let's read it, start at 33, go down to 39. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies or makes not guilty. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Starts out in verse 25. I guess when we sang that song, who flung the stars out into space. We look at here, who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Isn't it? We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Paul says, I am completely convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we look back at Ephesians, we can see it's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Every name that is named, we can see that, that wonderful power of God, that he's going to keep us safe. None of these things, any of these things that are contained in here, are going to be able to separate us from the love of God. The love of God, and that love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we look at these things, Brother Roger, this is comforting. This is comforting to us. When we think about that power of God, and He's going to keep us. He's going to keep us. As Brother Leroy said last week, you know, we're in His hands. He has us, doesn't He? No one, no one, none of these things here can take us out of his hands. Because why, Susie? He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Carl, he's powerful. we got some strong people in this world. We can see some of these weight, weightlifters and everything. they got big old muscles and everything. All their muscles, they can't, they can't pry us out of God's hands. That's how sure and steadfast these things are. None of these things. And I can hear it says, nor things present, nor things to come. See, that leads us to believe that this word is going to be here for us. Nor things present, nor things to come. Anything can take this away from us. Take it away from us. Not at all. Not at all. We can look at this here, this great power. God took Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be with Him, the second person of the Trinity. And when He took Him to be with Him, what did He give us, Brother Roger? He gave us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which is for us. He's our comforter and He's our guide in this world in which He lives. You know, He's up there. And it's like we were reading, you know, he's where we would want to be, right? But it's so much needful for us to be here upon the earth. We've been put upon this earth to what? 
glorify His name. And that's what we need to be doing all the time in the world, is doing that. But also in that which is to come. I, I really enjoy when I'm reading the scriptures and I see such a, a firm words that are put in the scripture, Brother Roger. And in verse 22, and it says, and hath put all things under his feet. He's put all things under his feet. Everything is under him. Remember, Jesus said, no man can cometh to the Father but my me. So that means everything that's on this earth is under his control. He's in control. When we look at that and we realize he's put all things under his feet. Everything is underneath him. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. God gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's the head of the church. You know, let me see if I can find it. Uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Let's go to verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. He's talking about the church here, Brother Roger. He's talking about the church, the whole body, that we're fitly joined together. He puts everybody in the church for a specific reason. And that he's doing that to the effectual working and the measure of every part. So every part works together, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And he's telling us in verse 17, this I say therefore, and testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the mind, their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. These are people that Brother Roger was, uh, Brother Leroy was talking about, and I'm sure you have too, Brother Roger, that are not the opposite of the people in 1 John that he's talking about. These are people that are continuing to habitually sin. They're not a child of God. They're natural men. And as that, they cannot receive the things that be of the Spirit of God. In verse 20, Paul writes, But ye have not so learned Christ. Isn't that awesome when we realize that we have not so learned Christ? So we have to realize if we, if we have learned Him that He's been teaching us, hasn't He? He's been there. He's imparting wisdom and knowledge unto each and every one of us. 
It's, it's so, when we just look at these things and see that he is the head of the church, he is the head of the body, isn't he? He's in control of the church. That's why he says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. But those two or three have to be a child of God, Brother Roger. They have to be. Because they're gathering together in His name. You can't just say it outwardly and say, well, two or three are gathered here. They have to be in the name of the Lord. That means He's entered into their heart in the regeneration. And there they are at the church building like we are here today to hear the word of the Lord. It's not that you have to be here. You understand? Not that you have to be here. It's because you want to be here. And I know there's some churches. There's churches have more people. Grace Chapel has more people. Brother Jimmy only has Brother Jimmy and two others. But he is here in the church. I, I believe from scriptural wise that he is with us here today. Can't see him. But we can feel him here, can't we? And that's what makes it also good for each and every one of us. So God gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, Christ's body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. When we realize that and see the fullness, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. He fills us up, doesn't He, all the time. We just need to open up our heart and He'll fill us up all the time. That's what I like so much about Him especially when you read the Scriptures and you can see how He opens it up to you. How many times, Brother Roger, have you been reading the Scripture and you've read that same Scripture 200 times? And then all of a sudden you read it 201st time and all of a sudden you're just like, pop. It just opens up to you. That's happened so much to me lately where he just opens it up to you and you can you understand fully exactly what he's talking about. Just like I just appreciate so much, so much, so much, brother Leroy, in talking about what he did and opening that up to us in First John. When you look at it, then you start looking at that and you start looking and you listen to them and you say, wow. That's why it says in Ephesians that he gave some what? Pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers. The church is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. It's, it's, it just comforts us. It should be comforting us when we read these things. 
We need to continue. I know you've heard me many a time when I've talked about when I worked at Thrall Car. The one guy sat there and he looked at me. And he says, I just don't understand you Christians. And I go, okay, what is it that you don't understand us? And he says, well, you read the Bible once, why do you need to read it again? That's a man that you can understand was not a child of God because he doesn't realize the richness of the scriptures and how just in one reading, you can't, you can't really understand it fully. Just like I've read Brother Jimmy's book on justification three times now, and I can read it again because it is so deep and rich, deep and rich, sorry. You know, it's just like when Peter is talking about Paul and saying that there are some things that Paul wrote and he says that are really, <coughs> really hard to understand. Hard to understand. That means you've got to read it more than one time to fully get everything out of it and continuing to read. That's why we exhort each and everybody in our congregation here to continue to read the Scriptures. We need to search the Scriptures daily to see if those things are so. I hope you've got a little bit. I know I might have been a little scattered. I hope that you might have realized how comforting this is unto us, just realizing where Christ is. And that he's the head of the church. I know we understand that. But even Peter says, I have to bring you into remembrance. We need to continue to understand that and bring these things out as we go through the scriptures. I ask that you would continue to pray for me as I start getting into chapter 2. I like all of Ephesians, but chapter 2 has been been becoming uh, more precious unto me than any of the other chapters that are in there, just because the the surety of what we believe and how we believe is with each and every one of us. And I ask that you would pray for me as I continue to study this out and bring this um, to you. I thank you for your kind attention today. Does anybody have a song in closing?